few more days. When this life is over, all the stress, all the diseases, all the heartaches, everything will pass. No, we're not trying to get rid of each other. This is to a better life. It's not fictitious. It is a good thing. I will fly away. God is so good. And all the time, you may be seated. We're so glad to have each one here today. And I had a lot of reflection as I went through the hearing and doing my best not to interrupt anybody's singing as this is one of my favorite songs that the worship team has opened with today. In the Pentecostal circles, this has been around longer than I've been alive. And it has been around all the time that I have been born and lived here. I just wonder how many of you, oh, just by the raising of your hand, uh, how many know this song from years ago? Would you raise your hand? Nearly all of our congregation, not all, but uh, it is a beautiful standard of God's Pentecostal people worshiping the Lord. And all the times that I've been in a church service where this song has been sung, and it was the last song to be sung for that day because the spirit of joy and happiness would take over. People would shout. The altars would fill up. You haven't seen that in a long time. I haven't seen that in a long time. But thank God, the promise is not that we'll sprout rings, but there is going to be a day. In fact, we're going to be preaching about some of that after a little while that we're going to leave this earth and go and be with the Lord forevermore. Praise the Lord. Until that time, though, you've got to put up with people like me and like Brother Harold, who's coming right now. And we appreciate what God is doing for all of us. Let us worship the Lord this morning and receive from the Lord what the Lord would have us have. Praise the Lord. Good to see you. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Well, we, we, we need to announce that there's a ladies' Bible study happening here today at 4 o'clock. So, ladies, be here for that. And again, if you haven't been here for any of them, you can still come and, and get started this week. So, remember 4 p.m. here. And then also uh, the marriage retreat um, is coming up next weekend in Branson. So, if you're interested in that, see the flyer here or downstairs bulletin board has some information I think on that and also next Sunday there'll be a business meeting following a morning service so it'll just be a quarterly conference so you can stay for that and we need to make an adjustment on uh, April 16th was going to be the men's meeting it's going to move to the 23rd the following week so it won't be on Easter weekend it'll be the following week so Saturday the 23rd and that's five o'clock here at the church so, and then also youth camps, you have a flyer in your bulletin. You can check out the dates and any information you need there. Does anybody have anything they need to announce? Nothing? 
All right. Uh, if you would, let's all stand. We'll start this morning with a time of prayer. If we want to make a prayer request known, you can take prayer requests. Yes, Molly. Okay. Lloyd. Okay. Let's remember him. Anyone else? Lois. Okay. All right. Let's remember the selling of the house. I see another hand. Faye, Faye, okay, just remember Faye not feeling well. All right, unspoken requests, you can raise your hand. God knows all these. Let's pray. God, we come to you at this time, Lord. Thanking you, God, for this morning, Lord, and God, for your presence here today. God, we know that you know each heart, Lord, that you know each need. could have a couple ushers come up. We'll uh, receive a first Sunday offering today, so it'll be uh, for Pastor and his family. So as you give, keep that in mind. It'll be uh, going towards that. And if you need it to go somewhere else, um, anything else you need to do, mark it on the check or uh, on the envelope. And also online, a a few things did change in giving. So if you give online, um, you still click that button up there. It's a little different. Uh, interface that you'll be working with, but it, it's all uh, pretty pretty much the same as what it was. But So if you haven't seen that yet, go check it out. You can give online that way too. So um, let's pray. God, we come to you at this time, Lord, just thanking you again for the opportunity, God, to be here and to uh, give to you, Lord. And we just ask that you'll bless this offering, God, that you'll bless the pastor and his family, God, that you will strengthen them, be with them, watch over them, God, continue to Help Joanne to heal, God, and to mend, Lord, that you would be with her and lift her up at this time, God, and, um, Lord, that you'll continue to keep them safe as they're traveling, Lord, and to uh, just minister through them. We thank you for all these things in your name. Amen.
the service this morning, it would be very appropriate to say hello to Sister Judy Derryberry, wouldn't you? And let's give her a good cheer because it's good to see her. Thank the Lord. Sister Judy, it is from our heart that we are glad to see you and welcome you here today in this worship service. This being the month of April, we've already got past April 1st, which is, you know, sometimes we refer to it as a, it is referred to as April Fool's Day. And I told Sister April, our uh, Sister April Thurston this morning, I said, I have a message that is talking about April in some ways, and I would like for you to know that we're not inferring you at any, at any point of this. But I'd like to begin with a story that I heard several years ago and I understand now that it is actually came from a history book in 1865 in a populated area uh, northeast of Annapolis, Maryland, which would have made it around on the uh, north side of the Chesapeake Bay. My wife and I and family lives in Salisbury, Maryland a number of years ago, and the Chesapeake Bay is a huge, large body of water. And in fact, uh, Baltimore is a inland shipping port, and uh, there are several hundred feet of depth to the Chesapeake Bay as it joins the ocean uh, southward down toward uh, the Oh, I believe it's called the uh, Delmarva Peninsula. And this particular year, 1865, it was in the winter, or December something or another, and there was a tremendous cold uh, spot that had hit that area. Sometimes I think they sometimes call them a northeasterner. And... Uh, in this little community on the northeastern side of, of uh, the Chesapeake Bay, it was just a small community, but it was during a time in which a lot of, uh, well, savages, sometimes they were referred to as people that were very aggressive, and they wouldn't, uh, there was a lot of civil wars during that particular time and a lot of unrest, and this little community of 865 people, they had got word that they were being surrounded on all three sides, northwest, north, and northeast, and only the Chesapeake Bay was their way out. The Chesapeake Bay was frozen, at this time of the year, but on this particular day they had set, they agreed that they would meet, and they had sleds and 
animals to help carry much of their belongings that they had. And as they began to escape across the frozen water, they could hear and see not only the sounds of the uh, enemy, but also the smoke of the village being burned to the ground. And it wasn't too long, perhaps a mile or two, and they had about 15 miles to go to get across this part of the north, northern uh, part of the uh, area of the bay. Actually, it would probably be the Baltimore, Maryland area now. And as they were going across, uh, of course, the families, the groups huddled together as much as possible. And there was an alarm being s sounded among people who uh, knew each other and cared for each other. And after they were about a halfway across through the sounds of the, uh, I suppose, the wind, they began to hear the thunderous uh, noise of the people coming after them. And after a few minutes of being in fear, still traveling as fast as they could, the ice began to crack. And it was not just a little bit of a crack, it was at the beginning, and then it became very, very widespread. And you could hear the breaking of the ice. And all of a sudden, well, that's as far as I've ever went with that made-up story that I've just told you about. But it's something like happens in April Fool-type situations. Now, I will tell you, before somebody gets critical of me, that it was a Bible teacher that, that taught me this in BTC many years ago. And... Uh, most of us were asleep in his class until he told that story. But some are asleep right now. And uh, so it doesn't matter. But Everett is awake, though. Let's give him a cheer, right? That's all right. He, he basically sleeps through everything, but he made it through that one. Well, that, that was a fictitious story. But there is truths that go beyond that particular story. And we're going to use the 15th chapter here on this first Sunday in the month of April. No fooling on that. This is the truth of God's Word. Many things contained in it. Not using every verse, but many of the verses in the 15th chapter of Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. He begins by saying, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you. You've already received it, and many of you, he says, this is where you stand today. And because of that, you are saved. 
if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain, for I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. The Apostle Paul is as good a reference point of any human being to begin to talk to not only to the, the people of Corinth, but the people of Kansas City and of this world today, as he knew firsthand of the fact that Jesus was alive, that he had died, and that his truth of his word of salvation was the only thing that would be able to save mankind. He went on in this Easter season and began to talk about the fact that Jesus was buried, verses 4 through 16, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures how that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of about five hundred people at one time, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, although some have passed on. And he, of course, was in the presence with these people and talking about how that many of the five thousand were still living, some had passed away. And then he said after that he was seen of James, then all of the apostles. And you remember the story of doubting Thomas. That is the reference here. Verse 8. And last of all, he was seen of me, also as one born out in due time. And even though we're not referencing the scriptures, but in the book of Acts, when Paul seen Jesus, it was in a vision. He was on the road to Damascus to kill some people. That was one of his main things that he did as, in a, as a good citizen, prominent citizen in Rome. And so it was there that he had to have a change of life. In this change of life, according to the scripture, that the Lord appeared to him in a great light. And you know, you that have read the story of how he was blinded and had to be led on into the city. But he said of himself, he said, I am the least of the apostles that am not me to be called an apostle. That's how he felt because of the way he persecuted the church of God, God's people. He went on to say, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. He is getting ready to tell us that when he was blinded 
and his life was changed and altered there on that particular road, that it was not a circumstance of April Fool's type thing, but it was for real. And he concluded by saying, it was not in vain. He said, for I have labored more abundantly than ever one. But he said, even though it wasn't me, it was the grace of God which was with me. Now then, I'd like for us to notice the, the change that begins to take place in his writing, and the, the tone changes a little bit. In verse 11, he said, Therefore, whether it were I or they that we preach, the thing is, it didn't matter who was handling the word of God, you believed. And so, based upon that conclusion, he says, if Christ be preached, that he, that he rose from the dead. I would like for you to notice how this could sound so fictitious. It doesn't, now, when we're in church or when we're talking Bible, when we're talking things spiritually and scripturally, it does not seem strange. But let's say we're with Tom, Dick, and Harriet out there, and we've been talking about the weather, the wind chill. We've been talking about April rain or showers, bring May flowers, and so on and so forth. But then the thought comes across but if some preacher was preaching that he rose from the dead, that Christ rose from the dead, what a, what a change in the complexion. What, what a mode of thinking that is being sought to listen to at this particular time. Crazy, I, I, I would say. If I was one of those folks out there that's on the fringes, how in the world are talking about somebody that was dead? But it's a true story. It doesn't matter what month it is in. So he says, now if Christ then be preached that he rose from the dead, how say, how say, some among you, that there is no resurrection of the dead. One of the great truths of this scripture is, of this text of scripture, this chapter, that's used for a lot of a uh, variety of reasons, is the fact that Jesus died for your sins, a truth that the world is not willing to practice or listen to. Dying in the Lord, another thing that is foreign to so many. 
and then being resurrected, being out of the grave, coming forth alive. Scripture, however, the world is not ready. It's living in an April folly, if you please, concerning this. And Paul's words was, how can you say that there is no resurrection? Jesus set the illustration. I know that that sounds simplistic because you've heard it all your life, most of you. But think about it. There are people in this world today that haven't even heard it, let alone had time to think about it. But then he presents this analogy, verse 13. But if there be no resurrection, we all understand that we're going to die, but do we all understand that there's going to be a resurrection? He's talking to the church at this particular time, people that are allegedly believers. We assume they're believers, actually. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, there is no Easter Sunday. There is no Good Friday. There is no Christmas. There is not any of this. It's all discarded because it is nil or non-existent if Jesus only died and was not resurrected. And then he, he kind of turns the page in his presentation. And in verse uh, 15, we have that turn of page, if you please. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. What a contradiction of life we have lived. What a fallacy. What an April Fool thing we have pulled over on people if we cannot believe and accept that, but rather think the other way. And he concludes this thought by saying, if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. Well, of course, that goes without saying. Christ has rose. Thank the Lord for that. Now then, I'm taking another turn in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. At this, time, at this point, I'm beginning at verse 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. You're still in your sins. Oh, my goodness. Let's not handle that one very long, okay? We've got to understand that when we declared that Jesus has came into our life, we have declared that Jesus was born, that he was crucified, that he was buried, that he 
rose again. And of course, before it's over, he's coming again. But he, he, he puts a question right out there to the folks. He said, if, if for some reason you think that Christ was not raised, then you being here in church is no reason for it. That you are still in your sins, wandering out there, doing good, doing other things. Then they which are also fallen asleep in Christ. Yes, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, those that have went on before us, that we know that they were children of God. We're declaring them that they they just didn't have what. The church says what people say that they had. They have fallen asleep in Christ. They have perished. And then this verse of scripture, I have a, I got a little, oh, I don't know what you'd want to call it. I got a little ID, okay? Uh, to older Southern people, that was a good pronunciation of the word ideal or ideal. I call it, or it is sometimes been called idea. Hey, I got an idea about this. If in this life, verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most merciful. Now, I know myself, I know of others as well, who have made a testimony over the years of the fact that, you know, I am so happy being, I'm quoting, I am so happy being a Christian that it doesn't matter if there wasn't no heaven uh, to gain or a hell to shun. I'd want to live this way for Christ regardless. The problem with that is it's unnecessary because it, it's not that way. It's totally off balance, out of kilter. I'll read the verse to you again. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, if in this life only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men most merciful. In other words, if there wasn't no Christ, there would be no way to be a Christian. It's just very simple. But the fact is that there is a Christ. And because there is a Christ, in this life we have hope. And then Paul begins to talk about that hope. He said, Now is Christ risen from the dead, become the first fruits of them that slept. And since by death, since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. This gets good. And then, as in Adam, all die, that is, according to human nature, all die, even so in Christ, because of what happened. Because we celebrated Easter that is coming in a few days, in Christ we are going to be made alive. 
But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming, and then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall put down all rule and all authority and power. For you see at the end, he will reign, he will have put all of his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that to be destroyed is the thing that man deals with every day of his or her life is, is death. For you see, Christ will be all that there is at the end. He hath put all things under his feet. And when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest, that it is visible, it's plain that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. Hallelujah. Concluding that thought, and when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son of himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Thank the Lord. I know this is the truth. And I know that I don't understand how this all plays out in the end. I don't have that insight. I don't know concerning the knowledge, the length and the breadth and the depth of it. I don't understand it. But I do know that in Jesus, he is the answer to everything that we have in this life. I like a reaction from someone in the congregation just then. I like what Tommy, he went with like this. <laughs> That's right, preacher. That's right, pastor. And it is true. It'll all be put under God. Now then, it is still April. And no, this is not an April Fool story. This is for real. This is for, for that. Can we even begin to grasp that? Some, sometimes when we're trying to figure some of this stuff out, perhaps it would have been good for us to have been stricken like the Apostle Paul was, blinded, put in a trance, led by hands, and to be schooled in the, by the Spirit of the Lord inside of a gated city and begin to make a transformation of our way of thinking and our, our life. I don't know. Sometimes it's easier for some folks to just totally accept and believe. But I want to encourage you today to understand that the greatest truth in these words is to be accepted and to be believed by each and every one of us. The last part of this presentation I have called 
getting the eyes open for just two verses from this chapter, verses 33 and 34. Look at the PowerPoint as we read today. And read it if you wish out loud. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Getting the eyes open. I don't think I have to paint it. A picture about when your eyes are closed and sound asleep and all of a sudden you have to wake them, open them up and become wide awake. Some people perhaps it's not difficult. But I, I find as I get older that it's even more and more difficult. In fact, sometimes I need to have a, a little prop or something to put under them to help hold them up. It just seems like it's so difficult to wake up sometimes. I don't know, understand all of this, but I'm sure it has something to do with the, the age and the, the nature of mankind at, at that age. But this is something about opening your spiritual eyes. And it's talking about don't let anything fool you. We have got the word. There have been a lot said in this church in the last several weeks about truth. And the truth is, first of all, don't be deceived. The fact is, as it is said, sometimes the truth hurts. But the truth will save you. And the Bible says, Jesus is truth. Yes. His word is truth. Yes. And Paul is capturing that moment in his deliverance here. He is saying, don't be deceived. Be careful of evil communications. They corrupt good manners. I like that. Watch your mouth. Wash it out with soap as the expression goes. But awake to righteousness. Don't sin. Understand that some do not have the privilege of knowing about God. I speak this to your shame, he says. And then he talks about the reality. Let's get down to it. Reality. In this last set of scriptures that I'm sharing with us today, we're talking about reality. So not, not the story that I began with, by the way, of those people walking on the frozen waters of uh, Chesapeake Bay. Here's the reality that the resurrection of the dead is going to happen. Here's how it happens. It goes about. Here's, this is the way it goes down. It's sown in corruption, but it is raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. Yeah. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. Yeah. 
It's sown a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. And he says, just so you understand it, it is an, there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, he compares it to Adam. He's the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. He goes on by saying, Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, after that change, after that belief in the Christ that was uh, buried and then resurrected, that which is spiritual. The first man, he says, is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven and declares that the earthy such are they also that are earthy and as the heavenly such are they also that are heavenly. They don't get mixed up. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, thank the Lord, something that Avon and so on could not do, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. And then he declares, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit in corruption. He said, yes, it may sound like an April Fool story, but it says, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now then, this is the end he is talking about. But he's also talking about the beginning. I know that you, you think you've got to go to the beginning to get to the end, but we're talking about the end to get to the beginning. Verses 52 through 58. Put this in a science fiction book and see if they can duplicate it. See if Hollywood could come up with they come up with a lot of things, but they don't know the complete story. Think about this is going to happen in your life, in my life. This is going to happen. I don't know what the news media is going to describe it as. If there is a news media or enough people to carry it on, I don't want to be here to know what they're going to say. But somehow, in a moment, hey, once again, this is not April Fool type stuff. This is happening. This is going to happen. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Oh, thank the Lord. For you see, this corruptible will put on incorruption, and this mortal will put on immortality. Thanks the Lord, I'm not going to have to depend on any batteries or a pacemaker anymore or hearing aids. Uh, I'll even be able to chew good food at that time. And some of you have got the understanding that for that yourselves as well. For you see, when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then it is brought to pass the saying 
that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And Paul, he, he presents the thought. He says, death, who are you? Where are you? What you're saying? What kind of grave have you got? What kind of victory have you won? Because he'll say the sting of death is sin and the strength of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then his closing words in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians to the church at Corinth. He says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters at North Brighton, at Hope Through Grace Fellowship, attending the Church of God of Prophecy, church there today, at 4907 North Brighton, Kansas City, Missouri, whatever our zip code is, and never have remembered it. But he says to us, be steadfast. Be steadfast. Do you know that when you, most people, that is, when you put your hands together like this across your body, that hardly anyone can come up to you by their own strength and pull them apart. It's just near an impossibility. I realize that, oh, somebody that's weak, probably Sister Judy, we, we could probably pull her arms apart today, but she has been sick, and there's a reason for that. But you, you take some of those men like uh, Steve there and, Oh, let's use all these football players around here. If they put their hands together like so, you just can't hurry. It's just hardly humanly possible to pull them apart by using your own strength. I'm not talking about getting a match and burning them or a knife or something like that. But listen, my brethren, my sisters, be you steadfast. Amen. Unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We're doing it for the Lord. And the work that is done for the Lord is not forgotten. It is not in vain. We will be remembered. Thank the Lord. And no fictitious story like cracking ice or something like that is going to match you up. But you're going to be awake because from the grave you'll come alive in the Lord to ever be with the Lord. Yes, that is a cheerful thing. And I, I, I want to give the Lord a cheer for that. I am very, very, very grateful. To be a child of God and to know his love and to know his freedom. Oh, bless be the name of the Lord. Brother Everett Dearberry, you and your family has been experiencing a lot of things here this morning. But this message is a blessing message of hope for all of you. And I would like for you to come uh, to the front. Get your big stick. And walk up here, and uh, Joe hand him a, a microphone, or Brother Harold, you're right there, you know what color.
Okay, you're colorblind, you said. Okay, and here comes a man. Oh, thanks, the Lord. What color is that? Blue. It's blue. <laughs> if you say it's blue, I say it's blue. Brother Everett, I'd like for you to pray. It's Thanksgiving, first of all. A prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer of hope for all of us, and a help from the Lord, if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you at this time. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you, Lord, because we know you're always with us. You know the past. You also know the future. Just as easy as you know the past. Lord, we know that you have all control. But yet you give us a certain amount of control. And we thank you, Lord, because your presence, your love that you give upon us each day. We thank you for your guiding hand, for helping us when we're weak, and lifting each one of us up each day. We praise you for your guiding hand each day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Let the church say amen. Amen. Praise God.